How does one start this podcast? It's a tricky one. I've started and stopped, paused, listened back, deleted, started again, stopped, paused, deleted. There's so many times already. And I realize I just have to do it. I believe that certain interactions that happen here in this world aren't just because. Certain interactions, you can't explain why they happen, but they do happen and they leave a profound effect on you and then that's it. Well, a story I'm going to tell you is exactly one of those things. I'm going to tell you a story about someone who I met who was a patient who then became a friend. And after that, became a loving memory. I think we all can agree that life is hard and it hits us in the roughest of ways but somehow we keep getting up and moving forward how do we do that when you ever lost a loved one or got diagnosed with something so gnarly got your heart broken just had so many rough things happen how do we get up how do we look for the light at the end of the tunnel well you know what we gonna find out together we're going to go looking for it. This podcast, In Search of Hope, with me, Ugo, we'll be together on this journey. And if all else fails, we'll have each other. In Search of Hope podcast. Let's do it. So, back in 2016, I was working as a unit assistant at the hospital. And I think it was about a Thursday. And it's getting late in the day. It's a slow day, which is like good. And this gentleman comes in because we work, we, I worked on the surgical unit where people came, well, to have surgery. And this gentleman comes in. He looks about mid to late, thir- mid thirties. He's dressed in a white tee, two gold chains, sweatpants and Jordans. He has tattoos. Ball head. I remember explicitly because I thought to myself, I like this guy's style. You got Jordans? You got a gold chain? You got some tats? Oh, you good with me. So he starts asking for directions. And um, we quickly see that he's in the wrong location. That he's there because he's um, going to have surgery like in a few days or the next day. And he just wants to kind of get a run through to see if he's going to go to the right direction. That's smart. Very smart. But then we, you know, we get to talking and he's so engaging, so charismatic, so funny. And there's like a rawness to him too, like an edge, a grittiness. You can just tell by interacting that there is a past, maybe even a present that's edgier than some others would would recognize. But I saw it. I felt it. But that doesn't change from being a... That doesn't take away from his... The charisma. The good heart that... Well... Sometimes you can get a vibe for people. You can get a vibe for a person. And... Uh, we vibed. But ultimately... The interaction had to end because he was in the wrong place. He needed to get going. So I was like, cool, man. Good luck on your surgery when you have it. Well, 
By the way, what was he going to have surgery on? Well, he told me, he said, listen, right now I have about 12 tumors in my abdomen and chest. I need to get them removed. He said, man, I, I, I had surgery, maybe it was a year ago or a while ago, and they've removed a boatload of tumors and they left one in his chest. And I remember he said to, that he told the doctor, he said, don't you think you should take this out? He said, nah, it's, it's not going to happen. Nothing's going to happen to it. Well, sure enough, something did happen. And that tumor led to other tumors growing again. And so now he was back to have surgery again. And this was going to be a long surgery that was scheduled. 16 hours. 16 hours surgery scheduled. So this did need to happen. Well, who can say? If they would have took out that other tumor in his uh, chest, maybe this next surgery wouldn't have had to happen. But who can say? Who can ever say? So I bid him farewell. And he goes off. I, Megan passes, I think I'm back on work on Tuesday, and now I'm just going about my business. Now, if it's 2016, I am still not in nursing school. I'm finishing my nursing rec prerequisites. I'm doing them. So, uh, my assessment skills, all that stuff, that, we don't have those. I mean, except for the stuff I had from knowledge from, well, street knowledge. Another knowledge that I picked up along the way, which was a decent amount, but nothing compared to what it is now. Anyway, I'm going about my business uh, at the reception desk and I see down the hallway someone, this man who's leaning over on his suitcase. You know those suitcases where you can take the handles and extend them up? He's leaning against that pretty heavy and he's waiting by an elevator that's about maybe 30 yards plus away from me. And then, uh, you know, I look and say, I think to myself, oh, that guy doesn't look good. Um, I, you know, keep doing what I'm doing. And I turn back and I see this guy's leaning against the wall. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, Whatever is going on is not good. So I start walking over slowly. Not slowly, but just kind of seeing, okay, maybe this guy's just tired. Maybe he's, I don't know what the situation is. But then as I start walking over, I'm like, oh, crap. That's, and he looks bad. I mean, bad. So he's leaning against the wall. And I start running over to him. Um, and by the time I get to him, as I get, to, as I get there to grab him, He's about to collapse and drop to the floor. I think, I think he was waiting. I think it took his strength, all his strength to wait and to hold up until someone came. Because by the time I got there to him, he was now all in my, he, now I was holding him up and he said, wait, hold on. His entire, his entire right side was in so much pain because he had the surgery. And I remember 
I called down, down the hallway. I said, somebody get us a wheelchair. We get the wheelchair. Now, now you're probably wondering, what's going on? Why is he in such, why was he in such bad shape? Obviously, that's what I was wondering. He said, I had the surgery, but I was discharged to, so now, sometimes when you have surgery or procedure, they discharge you to, I want to call it like a halfway house. Because that's like prison stuff. But it's like a hotel where it's like you're out of the hospital, but you're not out to go home yet. It's kind of halfway. But the problem is going to one of these halfway places, if you go there by yourself, you could be in some real trouble. Because there's no one there to help you regulate your pain medications. There's no one there to help you regulate your antibiotics because if you're sleeping most of the day and you wake up and say you're supposed to take your pain medications every six hours or every four hours, well, you're behind. And the thing about pain, controlling it is tough because you have to jump ahead of it. Because if your pain gets to an eight and then now you're taking the pain medication to bring it back down, well, that's going to be harder to do. See, if the pain was at a four and you got on that pain medication on time, it prevents it from getting so high and it's easier to manage because he's trying to focus on recovering instead of managing himself. And then you're saying, well, where was his family? Well, his mom had to, his mom recently left. She had to go back to um, Wisconsin. So it was really just him by himself there. And it's tough. And you think, wait, maybe, maybe there was a girlfriend? Well, there was. But she ended up stealing a bunch of money from him when he was sick. So there wasn't her. That was one of the stories he told us when I first met him. How does someone manage in that situation? You have to have the surgery. There's no one there when you get out. How do you regulate? How do you take care of yourself? Sometimes you don't. And I take him up to the, to the unit where he normally checks in at because uh, he has to go to the pediatric floor because he has a pediatric cancer that, you know, that, so they take care from there. So I go with him. I tell, I tell, you know, the, Thankfully, the people at the at my job, they they covered for me as I took him upstairs. And I waited with him. I just waited until um, he was seen because he was, he, was, he was in bad shape. I remember as he was writhing, writhing in pain, I would touch him on the shoulder. I said, it's going to be okay. It's, it's going to be okay. I'm here. I'm here with you. I waited till they got him a, uh, a bed. And I remember the nurse looked at me and she said, wait, who are you? Are you, how, how do you know him? I thought, hmm, I guess that's my friend. I guess that's what it is. It developed to that. So I waited for him to get settled uh, in the room he was at. He's by himself. He can barely eat. Um, but I had to go back to work. I told him, I said, I'll come back. I'll come back and check on you. He's like, you don't got to do that. I said, I'm going to come back and check on you. 
have you been eating? He says, nah, I really can't hold things down except for, I think it's a Gatorade and bananas or something or the other. So I was like, all right, bet. So during my lunch break, I go out and I get him those things that he can tolerate. Also, shouts out to my sister because I was broke. So I hit her up and I said, can you send me some money so I can get him bananas, Gatorade, that other stuff. It's nice to be a good Samaritan with someone else's money. <laughs> um, but yeah, I get back and I sit with him during my lunch break. I see he's finally getting settled. I think they finally got started getting his pain under control. I would just sit there with him. And when he fell asleep, I walked out. I left. We exchanged information. I said, I'll come back and see you. A few days later, I'm back again. I go visit him. When I visit him, he's sleeping. And I think that's when the nurse asked me, wait, how do you know him? I said, oh, that's my friend. And then when I'd visit him, he'd, I remember that the time I came back, he was, man, he was in such pain. He was in such pain. He was, he was like, I just feel like I can't get right. Can't get right. And now, now that I reflect, I, I think I've seen it. It's just, thing his pain just wasn't well managed and the pain he was in was enormous and during some of our visits man or some of our conversations that we'd have i'd tell him about you know my activity in our church uh how we would have these you know these these worship nights in the city i told i mean i was i remember i was dumb that i'm not dumb but it was like the day after surgery or a couple days after surgery i, I invited him out i say come out if you can he ain't going nowhere. Do you see his pain, bro? But he says, ah, I'll see. <laughs> you know, because he was down to hang out, make friends. He was a, a lovable guy. And he wanted to know everything we were doing, what songs we were singing, you know, um, what song I was leading, what scriptures, you know, um, I was kind of reflecting on for the day. And I'd sent him some. And he'd tell me he's reading this. And, you know, we definitely developed a friendship. It was a friendship. And, um, you know, I think, I, I, I'm not sure if there was like, I, mean, I remember him asking, he was like, uh, just asking about the different neighborhoods in, in New York and what, do, what, which place I thought would be more fitting for him. Because if you talked to him, he seemed like a New Yorker. He will fit right in. So, anyway, as time goes on, I remember, I remember he wanted to get out. He just wanted to get out of the hospital. He wanted to get out of there. He wanted to go home. And um, I remember the day, you know, he's going to the airport. He got discharged. It's peace. I'll see you. I'll see you when I see you, brother. And it was all love. And of course, we kept in contact with each other. Um, I check in on him. He check in on me. And just how it was, you know. I was sending some pictures of what we doing. He let me know what's going on with him. And um, when he would, we would be pretty good without text messages. We, if he texts me, 
I responded the same day or early the next day. And he was pretty good with hitting me back about hours after or right away. So I think it may have been around, I can't remember, but it was December. I remember I had sent him a text message and I didn't get a response. And I thought, okay, it's fine. You know, no big deal. I think, you know, the times you think it's a big deal is when we're like, you know, texting somebody we got a crush on and they don't respond. Then it's a big deal. Then you start reading into it. But if you see a homie and they don't respond, it's like, all right, well, they're probably, something probably up. Cool. And I realize, yo, it's been a week and a half since he hasn't responded. Ah, it's not like him. And to be honest, I, I was worried. Because I knew he wasn't getting better. He would tell me, it's like we would have these conversations without having them. About what he's thinking about what's happening. It wasn't getting better. It's like he had the surgery. He said, it's like after the surgery, I still can't get right. And the surgery was months prior. Still couldn't get right. (sighs) Losing a lot of weight. Losing a lot of weight. So, it's two weeks after he hasn't responded, which is so unlike him. And I remember I was at a brother's house when I say a brother, I mean, it's me, you know, brother from church. I'm out, I'm in his basement. And son in my head says, just Google his name. And uh, I did. And what I saw froze me. Froze me in my heart. Froze me in my soul. So an obituary. What? So I start looking into the stories, trying to find articles. I see that he was murdered. He was murdered. I thought, why? Why, God? And I often don't say that. I think I say it less now that I realize tragedy is universal and things just don't make sense. But that one I couldn't make sense of in the moment. And so the thing that we normally go to is why? (sighs) I saw that he was He was shot and I'm thinking in my head, I wonder what would be more merciful for that to happen or to continue suffering as he was. I mean, it doesn't sound, I know it sounds crazy to say, but I know on some level you may understand what I'm trying to say. The suffering he was going through was intense, but that doesn't make it any easier or that doesn't make it any more welcome at all. 
But you start trying to rationalize things in your head when you just can't make sense of it. What is happening? Who can I reach out to? I saw his mom's name on one of those obituary articles. And at the time, I was watching a whole bunch of catfish on MTV. And I know how they get down. We're trying to find information. So I hit Facebook. I put in her name. I saw a face pop up. And I checked the page. I was his mom. And for days, I thought about what to do with that. I didn't know if I... I I didn't know if I'd be bothering her. Why am I bringing this up? Who are you? You don't know my son. Your interaction was small. That's what I'm thinking in my head. I shouldn't bother this lady who is suffering. But I said, I, I, I gotta say something. I gotta say something. So I reached out to her. I said, hey, I met your son at, and this is the interaction we've had. I'm so sorry. She responded, hey, I heard so much about you and what you did for my son. Such openness and gratitude she responded with. And there was a connection. I felt the love off of her. I felt her hurt and her gratitude for kindness shown to her son when she wasn't able to do it herself. That someone thousands of miles away was able to look out for her son when she couldn't in that moment. So naturally her and I became Facebook friends and we were supposed to talk we were supposed to schedule it and try to link up and try to talk and say here but what happened how she was doing but that conversation never happened and I was okay with it you know still on Facebook she shows so much love to me she's she's so encouraging like a mom would be on Facebook. Um, whenever I was, you know, going through my nursing school stuff and I put up the, you know, the progress, she just out there and saying such encouraging things. And that's love. There's love in the face of tragedy. So why, why am I telling you this? Why have you sat through all this? Maybe I'm telling you this for selfish reasons. Maybe. Or maybe there's just some stories that you just feel like need to be heard. Maybe someone has to know that such love and such goodness existed between two once strangers. And maybe that could be hope that, that that sort of thing still exists. Because if I didn't tell you, you wouldn't know. 
Now, it's not to, to, to get a feather in my cap. No, it's not for that. It's not for that at all. It's not to get a pat on the back. Ugo, you're so nice. No, that's not it. No. If I didn't tell you, you wouldn't know. And maybe by me telling you, you now know. And maybe you are someone who needs such encouragement. Or maybe you are someone who's available to encourage someone in a dark time. Let me tell you, I needed it at my time. I still need it. You think I'm over my dad's passing? You crazy? Of course I still need it. I don't like to be home. Because when I'm home, I think about how strange life has become. We all need it. So if you're in a position to do it, to do the encouraging, to give the love, to give the support, to give the hugs, to get the Gatorade, to get the bananas, you do that. Because rest assured, you will need that. Someone you love will need that from someone else. So the more you put that out there into the world, the more of it that's available to give. Even in darkness, even in darkness, there can be goodness. And even in tragedy, we have memories, good memories of laughter, of times we loved, and of times we hoped for good days. That's all I got. Peace. So I just finished recording and then interesting postscript to, to all this is that it's like you, it's like, you can't tell these stories and go about your business the same way. It's like you, you just vibe differently after going there emotionally and mentally. And um, it gives us this perspective, you know, we, the interactions we have with people forever change us. And, and you take a part of these people, a part of these interactions, wherever you go. And uh, I feel like I'm better for it, but I'm still hopeful because, uh, you know, I've, I've been one who hope, who believes that there's more to life than just this world, you know. I've seen things, I've experienced things enough for me to say, nah, this can't be it. You'd have to convince me that this is it. And um, I think these interactions just aren't, they don't, they don't happen just because. And I hold on to that. Because I know we are laying foundations of beauty. The more we interact with each other and love each other and support each other and look out for each other, Man, it changes things. It changes things. Believe that, man. It changes things. And I hope by you listening to the story, you are changed. And you can be more loving 
or maybe in one interaction you will be more loving you will be more hopeful because if all else fails we have each other that's enough